reading from the book of Genesis. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given them every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. The word of the Lord. Please stand. We're going to read the Psalms 23 together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. A reading from the book of Ephesians. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees came and to test him. They asked him to show them a sign from heaven. And he answered them, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. And you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of time. An evil and adulterous generation seek for a sign, but no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. And so he left them and departed. And when the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus said to them, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they began discussing among themselves, saying, we brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, oh, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I do not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. We thank you, Father, that as we uh, gather uh, together, um, that you are with us. We just submit ourselves to you, Lord, and are thankful uh, that we have this time to sing praises to you, to hear your word, to give thanks for the ways you're at work here and throughout the world. So we give you all thanks and praise. Open our ears to hear your word for us today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. All right, so here's the story. You got a little preview of it uh, from uh, Bishop Curian. So there was a, uh, a man, a, a very uh, wealthy man, um, who liked to throw uh, big parties um, at his home. And uh, the high point, at least for him, of every party was when at some point in the evening he would gather everybody outside around a large pool that he had. And he would point out to the group um, that in the pool was a very hungry shark. And he would explain to them that if anyone was willing to jump into the pool, and if they could swim across, and if they made it across before the shark attacked them, that they could choose from one of three rewards that he would give them. Either he would give them $20 million, or he would give them, secondly, a quarter of his estate, or he would give them a role as vice president in the company which he owned. Now, to his disappointment, party after party after party, no one ever took him up on this challenge. Until one day, he was, or one evening, he was giving the explanation. He came to the end about the vice president, and suddenly he heard a splash. He turned around shocked that there was someone in the pool swimming across the pool. And he saw this man swimming with all his might. Um, he just barely made it to the end and jumped out of the pool as the shark was coming upon him. The rich man was amazed. He ran to him. He hugged him. He said, you did it. You know, you finally did it. You, you made it. What do you want? Do you want $20 million? The man said, no, I, I don't want $20 million. And the rich man said, ah. You're smart. You want a quarter of my estate, which is actually worth more than $20 million. The man said, I don't want a quarter of your estate. And the rich man said, ah, you're a hard worker. You want a job. You want me to hire you? Great choice. You'll be well compensated. You'll love the work. 
The man said, no, no, I don't want to serve as vice president of your company. And the rich man said, what do you want? The man said, I want the name of the person who pushed me in the pool. <laughs> so so there, now you understand the reference to being pushed into things we don't want. Now, I tell that joke, one, just because I like that joke, and it's a fun joke to tell. Um, but also, um, it's a joke about abundance, right? A, a, an offer of abundance. And I think it captures, actually, the way we often sort of relate to abundance or we think about abundance. It's something that maybe you get at a great risk, if you're willing to take a great risk. Abundance is something perhaps you earn if you work hard enough. Abundance perhaps is something you sort of luck into. You're born into the right family. You experience the right circumstances. But in our value that we're thinking about today as we're working through Church of the Cross values, we speak about trusting in the abundance of God, not working for the abundance of God, not earning the abundance of God, not being lucky enough to experience the abundance of God, but trusting. God is abundant. He is abundant in his grace, in his love, in his provision for us, and we are called to trust. In this series on the values, I've been sharing about how we're thinking about our values because we believe that we as a church won't fulfill our calling as a body unless we stay true to the values that we believe God has called us to, to honor and to value and to live out. And my hope is that this won't just speak to us as a church community and for you that are called to be part of this community, but our hope is, again, and our conviction is that these values speak to what it means to be a follower of Christ. And so if you are committed to Christ, or if you're here today, perhaps trying to figure out what does it mean to be a follower of Christ, trying to kind of understand what do you believe, or maybe wondering about what you believe, we believe these values speak to living out a life submitted to the Lord. And again, in this value today, I want to start with trust, trusting in the abundance of God. What do we mean by that? And I want to start actually by considering what a lack of trust looks like um, in our gospel reading. If you look at that Matthew reading, we see the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to Jesus, and it may seem like, hey, they're coming for good reason, right? They're asking him to show them a sign. And we can wonder, why is Jesus so rude to them um, in his reply, right? Isn't it good that they want to see a sign? I mean, doesn't Jesus do incredible miracles and people see these miracles and they come to faith in him? So why wouldn't he do a miracle for them? But there are a couple of things that tip us off that the Pharisees and Sadducees are not really coming in a curiosity about Jesus and a desire to learn from Jesus. They're coming, basically, as we're told, to test him. It's actually the same word as tempt him, right? Reminds us actually of Jesus in the desert being tempted by Satan. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are basically coming to him saying, prove yourself. You have to prove yourself to us. We're giving a demand to you and you need to act on our demand. And you can see why Jesus responds in the way he does. It's interesting actually that the Pharisees and the Sadducees would come together because one thing we know about the Pharisees and the Sadducees is they did not like each other. They weren't friends, right? These are two theological groups that were very much opposed to one another. But one thing that united them was their um, dislike of Jesus, right? But also, I would say that another thing that united them is both of them, in different ways, really wanted God on their terms. We see in their theology, what we know about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, is they sort of wanted their version of God. They wanted God to act in a certain way that they kind of decided, this is how God should act. And so um, uh, Dale Bruner is a Bible scholar. He talks about the Pharisees as the super spiritual and the Sadducees as the super secular. And so the Pharisees, again, on one end, again, the super spiritual, right? It was very important for them, for everyone to see, look how spiritual we are, right? They sort of made a show of their righteousness. And they were very big on the law, which is a good thing, right? God gave the people the law 
to bless them, to call them to himself. So it's good that they cared about the law. But in the hands of the Pharisees, the law, rather than, becoming a, a, rather than being a blessing, which is how God gave it, it really became this burden. Right? The law became something to keep people in line. It became something basically to get people in trouble. And so rather than people getting being blessed by living in accordance to God's law, it became sort of like, you better not mess up, right? The Pharisees are watching. We see this in the fact that the Pharisees are upset when Jesus heals someone on the Sabbath, right? Someone's miraculously healed, and all they can think is, we don't think you're following the law, which is amazing when you think about God giving the people the Sabbath in order to grow in a knowledge of him, in order that they would know rest in him, what better day to be healed than on the Sabbath, right? What better day to receive from the Lord healing? And so we see the Pharisees had gotten off. Again, they wanted God on their terms, right? This is how God can act, right? This, we've decided what's appropriate and what's not. On the other end, you have the Sadducees. Again, the, the super secular, right? The Sadducees had actually decided certain things that were in the scriptures that they just decided, we don't believe that. Too supernatural, right? We don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. We don't believe in angels, right? That's, that's weird, the Sadducees actually, even though they were a smaller group, actually had a lot of political power. They were very influential at that time. They, from what we can tell, worked closely with the Roman Empire. And so um, they probably were willing, uh, obviously were willing to compromise their beliefs, to compromise their theology in order to get power and influence. So they sort of, again, wanted God on their terms, right? This is the, what we'll believe. We'll decide what we believe about God and what we don't. So it's no surprise that both of them would come to Jesus and be like, Act this way, right? You know, we're going to make a demand of you. What does Jesus say, right? He knows what's in their hearts. He says, look, when it's evening, you say it'll be fair weather for the sky is red. When it's morning, it'll be stormy today for the sky is red. Basically, you can look at a red sky and you can understand what's going to happen, right? You, you understand the sign, but you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times. Jesus, I believe, is saying there, look, you've seen signs, right? I've taught with authority, right? I've blessed people. I've shown you God's heart for the poor. I've done miracles that, you know, you have eyes to see them, right? The signs are there. Are you going to receive them? Are you going to trust the signs? But again, rather than responding with trust, they're responding with demands. You must do this. And Jesus is saying, look, the signs are clear, right? You can receive them because I've already shown them to you. And then he says this sort of strange words, I know sign will be given to you except the sign of Jonah. What does he mean by that? Well, we don't get an explanation because actually earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, already Jesus has spoken about the sign of Jonah. At that point, he spoke about the sign of Jonah, and he said, just as Jonah was in the belly of a great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man, speaking of himself, be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. He's speaking about his death and his resurrection, right? Jonah came out of the belly of the whale. Jesus will come out of the tomb. And so he's saying to him, you will be given a sign, and the sign will be my death and resurrection. That's the sign that you will be given. And will they have eyes to see? Well, some of them did. <laughs> yeah, some Pharisees did come to faith in Jesus, but many sadly did not. And so then he says to the disciples, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And we understand, because uh, we read at the end of the passage, that he's speaking about the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The idea of leaven is that's something, you know, small, a fermenting agent of some sort, maybe yeast, maybe something else, that's put into dough and it spreads. And so something small that spreads. So he's saying, look, the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees may have just a little influence, maybe there's just sort of a little toehold that gets in your heart, but it will spread. 
beware, right, of their bad theology, basically, of their wrong understandings of who God is, sort of taking root in your heart and spreading. But the disciples don't get it. They hear leaven, and they think he's talking about bread. And again, maybe you read this, and you're like, man, Jesus, like, is he in a bad mood on this day? You know, why is he being rude to everybody? You know, those poor disciples, they just misunderstood and think he's talking about bread. Why does he call them, O you of little faith? Because I believe they're actually demonstrating already that there's some ways in which the Pharisees and the Sadducees are influencing them. Right? He actually sees in their response a way in which there's a lack of trust. Because they hear about leaven and they immediately think, oh, you know, Jesus is mad at us and we forgot the bread. And Jesus hears that and he's thinking, forgot the bread? Like, have you not been watching the signs? Haven't you seen what's been happening? Two different times. It's so good to remember, right? Two different times, Jesus fed thousands of people with very few loaves of bread and fishes, right? He reminds them of that. He reminds us of that. I think sometimes we forget, oh yeah, Jesus did the miraculous feeding two different times, right? That obviously tells me he really wanted people to understand what was happening. And he's very generous and wants to feed lots of people. And so, right, there was a 5,000, again, as you probably heard, 5,000 men is what the count would have been. So probably 10,000 or more people, including women and children. And he mentions, you know, from five loaves, we fed that many And how many baskets did you gather? He's reminding them, remember how abundant that was that you gathered baskets. And again, the seven loaves for the 4,000. How many baskets did you gather? How can you be worried about bread, right? I mean, we had, you know, leftovers to feed us for a long time. Why are you concerned about that? And again, I think the point is for the disciples, you guys are worrying and you're showing a lack of trust. And what I want from you is trust. The question basically that he's saying to them, right, is before you ask what, ask who, right? Before you say what, you know, do we have enough bread, ask who's with us? Oh, Jesus is with us. Wait, Jesus can feed us, right? We don't need to be afraid of not having enough. Now, again, what could be a good question to ask? As we consider this value as a church, it's good to ask, what has God given us? How has he shown us his abundance? What has he provided for us? And how do we use those resources well? It's a good question for each one of us to ask. God, what have you put in my hands? What have you provided for me? May I use it well? But we ask that in question of, in light of who? Who has provided for me? By Jesus. Jesus is the one that I can give my little to, and he expands it and can feeds many. Right? He takes the little I have that he's already given me. As I give it back to him, he gives even more and multiplies what I have. And so again, in the heart of this value is who, who is the one that we trust in? The one who has abundance, who brings abundance. And what then does that abundance look like? Well, let's look at our Ephesians passage there. It's just a beautiful prayer, just acknowledging a prayer flowing from this is the abundance we receive from the Lord. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. What reason? Before this, Paul has spoken about the saving work of Christ, all that Christ has done. He spoke about who the church is, right? The Ephesians is a great book to reflect on who are we in Christ? Who is the church? He's reflected on his own calling to serve them. And he's saying in light of all this, in light of what Christ has done and who he has called us to be, this is my prayer. I bow my knees before the Father, who, right? Again, he starts with who's the Father, He's the one from whom every family, on heaven, uh, every family in heaven and on earth is named. Right? Naming um, uh, communicates authority. 
right? When you name someone, that shows that you have some sort of authority over them, right? Adam named all the animals, right? We have our Genesis reading, right? Because he, the Lord gave him authority, gave Adam and Eve authority over creation, right? Dominion. And so to say that every family is named um, from the father, right? Means the father has authority over all people, over every family. We all belong to him. Every family belongs to him. So as Paul is praying to the Father, he's remembering he's the one that we all belong to. He's the one who's named us all, who has authority over us all. And I'm asking him that according to the riches of his glory, right here in that, the abundance, right? Lord, you are abundant. There's riches in your glory. May he grant to us, right? May he grant to you and to us, I believe this is a prayer that we can receive, to be strengthened with power. So he's praying first of all, first of all for power. Right? And what do you think of when you think of power? And again, maybe coming back to those Sadducees, we think of, you know, political power of influence. Maybe we think about physical power, right? Or financial power, right? Thinking of the, the rich man, right? You know, power tends to be something where we kind of go and like, that's sort of ways I can maybe control other people, influence other people, or maybe more so for us, that's ways I can not be controlled by others, right? The more power I have, the more protected I am from other people's power. But what's the heart of power here? That you'll be strengthened with power through his spirit, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So the prayer that the people, that we would know power, is that we would know power so that we would be strengthened in faith. Like God's power, right, strengthens us in trusting him. We're trusting in the power, basically, that will increase our trust, will increase our faith in him, in order that we would be rooted and grounded in love. So again, as Christians, people of, followers of Christ, Right, when we ask for power, when we pray for power, we are praying that we would be more loving, that we would receive more of Christ's love, that we would know more of Christ's love, we, we fully receive Christ's love, that we would, you know, more open ourselves to his love, that we may be more loving, right? Sometimes, again, you know, when we pray for power, people get nervous. Ooh, why are you praying for power? Well, we're praying for power that we'd be more loving, and that we would know his love more, and that his love, again, would be how we influence people, how we bless people, that we'd be rooted and grounded in love. So he prays for power and he prays for knowledge, that we would have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Right? How do you know something that surpasses knowledge? I believe, again, it's getting into to know, right, intellectually, to understand, to learn, which was a good thing about the Pharisees, right? They wanted to know God's word. They wanted to learn it. They memorized it. That was good but they didn't seem to know it with their heart, at least many of the Pharisees we see in the scriptures, right? They, they knew the word of God, again, in their minds, but they didn't know the compassion and the mercy of the Lord. They didn't know the kindness. So Paul is praying that we would know um, his love, right? Um, uh, intellectually, we know his truth intellectually, but we know it in a knowledge that surpasses knowledge and intimacy, uh, uh, an intimate um, relational knowing that we'd be filled with the fullness of God. Again, there's so much here to meditate on and spend time on that speaks to God's abundance, his abundant power, his abundant love, his abundant grace. And so first and foremost, when we speak of trusting in the abundance of God, we're talking about that abundance, right? The abundance of all of his grace poured out on us. But then this speaks to trusting in God's provision, right? As a church body, again, we've talked about this value. We've talked about, we, you know, um, ask for God to provide for us, that's appropriate, right? Because God does provide physical things, right? He created the earth, this physical place. And, and again, gave um, stewardship to Adam and Eve and gave stewardship to people. He fed the 4,000 or the 5,000 and the 4,000, right? That shows 
Jesus provides, right, physical things at times with people. He provided physical healing. So again, as we trust in the abundance of God, out of knowing that he's poured out his mercy and his grace and his kindness, we ask for resources, right, trusting in him, trusting that those resources as they're given will be means of communicating his love and receiving his love, right? That always informs our prayers for his provision is that our love may increase and that opportunities to show his love may increase. So again, we as a church aren't afraid to say, Lord, you know, provide for our, our budget, provide for our physical needs so that we may be more loving and that we may express God's love more. And we trust, right? However, the Lord then provides. Let me share a, a story, an example of this that came to mind as I was meditating on these passages um, this week. Uh, tr- long-time tradition of Church of the Cross is we have a Sunday um, in the church year that we set aside to celebrate our ministry to children and the importance of children to our church, and they help out. I mean, they help out many Sundays, but that Sunday in particular, the children kind of take over um, the service, um, and it's a, a joyful service. And early on in the church, the children's ministry um, kind of came to me and to our vestry and said, we are suggesting that we take whatever is given on Children's Sunday, whatever is given the week of Children's Sunday, and we give that whole offering away to ministries that are caring for children, in particular children in need. Um, and that's a hard request to say no to. We didn't want to say no to. We said, all right, let's do it. There's some risk involved, right, to take a, you know, at least for a, a church our size, to take one Sunday's budget, one week's budget, and just, or one week's giving and give it away. That can affect the budget. But we just felt like, yes, like what's better than to give money away to help kids? And so what that's meant is different years, sometimes it's been a smaller um, offering Sunday, sometimes it's been a bigger offering Sunday. And a few years ago, in 2019, I believe it's the biggest offering we've ever had for sort of the children's um, Sunday. Um, And that offering um, uh, that year, again, big offering, a big Sunday for us, a big week for us, um, was all going to New Life Family Services, a great organization here in the Twin Cities that we've supported for a long time. Again, we've supported them with monthly gifts, but this um, gift from the Children's Sunday, I think probably was, you know, equivalent of multiple years of what we usually give. So we, we sent the, the check to them. Um, not long afterwards, I got an email uh, from someone at New Life Family Services saying, we want to meet with you. <laughs> They're trying to figure out, like, what happened to this church? Why did they give us such a big gift? And so I invited um, Andrea Lang, our children's pastor, to join me in meeting with them. Uh, it was a delightful meeting, but Andrea and I kind of felt like, okay, we need to tell them the story behind the gift. And we felt a little sheepish about it as we sat down with them. We, we kind of began by saying, hey, just so you know, like, giving you this much money it actually wasn't our idea. <laughs> um, that wasn't our plan. Um, but this is what we do, and we explain to them to Children's Sunday. And we realized as we were explaining to them, basically we were saying, you know, it wasn't our idea, but this was God's idea. Like, God decided, like, this is going to be a really big giving Sunday, and it's going to go to you all. They were in the midst of a building program that time. They were building a new facility that's now up and, and running in the Phillips neighborhood, and we were able to be a part of that building campaign with that gift. What a blessing it was for them to realize this gift isn't about the abundance of Church of the Cross. It's about the abundance of God. And that's what happens, again, in his, his physical provision for us. It's a testimony to him, right? It's not, you know, we're not being grandiose other than being grandiose about God, who is so generous. As we consider living out this value, one clear way, one um, clear way that we live it out, right, is through prayer. If we are trusting in the abundance of God, then we are asking of God. Not demanding, right? Not like the Pharisees and the Sadducees saying, God, you must do this, but boldly asking because the Lord taught us to boldly ask. Right? Jesus tells parables where people basically are kind of annoying in their asking, and he's saying, that's how you should pray. Pray without ceasing. ceasing. Ask, seek, 
Knock. Keep asking of the Lord. It's so appropriate on this Sunday right, that we're celebrating and giving thanks for Carol Smith and her 90 years um, uh, here uh, and uh, her time here at Church of the Cross. Not 90 years at Church of the Cross, but 90 years um, uh, in the world and uh, about 20 years at Church of the Cross. Praise God. And uh, Carol's been a huge testimony to the power of prayer for many of us. There are many events that you perhaps have been at and didn't realize that Carol was somewhere in the building interceding for that event and praying for it. There's just been blessings I know that we have experienced because of her prayers and the prayers of so many faithful people, right? That's unseen things that are happening that God is working through, blessing through. So I want to end, and I want to read this prayer again from Ephesians. And I want to invite you to consider someone to pray for this morning. Uh, Maybe it's someone you're here with. Maybe it's just someone that's especially on your heart. But I want to pray this prayer out loud, but I'm inviting you to pray with me for that specific person um, that you are praying for. And so I'll pause at the yous, and that's where you can fill in the blank. It gets a little harder at the yours. I'll say your, but you can like, you know, put in the person's name um, as I say your. So let's just take a moment of silence and just, again, maybe ask the Lord, Lord, who can I, who should I be praying for this morning as we pray this prayer? And then we'll take a second to trust in the abundance of God as we pray this for someone. pray. For this reason, we bow our knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant to be strengthened with power through his spirit in their inner being, so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith, that being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more than we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.